What's going on? It's Zach. February is slowly ticking away, which means we are getting ever so closer to that polar bear jump. And we are still raising funds for Stella's Place. As you probably know, our goal is at the $5,500. We are getting there, but we're not there yet. So please visit our Instagram page. You can find a link in the bio to go donate. Of course, as you know, proceeds are going towards Stella's Place to help them with their virtual counseling sessions. And as always, at the55.ca, visit the store. You can buy hats, shirts, and masks while supplies last, and proceeds also go to Stella's Place. We have Vanier Cup champion Antonio Valvano coming up next. Hey everyone, it's Antonio Valvano, former fullback of the Western Mustangs, two-time champ. You're listening to At The 55. Hello and welcome to At The 55, your home for OUA football. Today we're back with another installment of The Talk, our interview and conversation show talking about the connection with mental health in and around the game of football. Today's guest, oh boy, today's guest when he first joined the Western Mustangs back in 2014, just a little history real quick, the uh, top, top three movies by domestic box office in North America. Number one, Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one, not the not, not, no new installments. Hunger Games, Mockingjay, of course, part one. And then Captain America, Winter Soldier, arguably the best Marvel movie. The 2014 Billboard Top 100 featured hits such as Happy by Pharrell. Dark Horse by Katy Perry, featuring Juicy J, of course. And All of Me by John Legend. I, of course, can be speaking of no other than the man they call the Italian Stallion, Antonio Valvano. Antonio, how you doing, man? Hey, how's it going? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. How are you doing? I am excellent. Thanks for asking. And it's it's our pleasure having you on the show. Um, you know, I don't really know where to start, Antonio. I mean, obviously, everyone who was watching, you know, your guys' incredible run to the Vanier, you're wearing the championship hat. I love it. You know, especially during that Vanier broadcast, was reminded several times, as I'm sure you've been reminded from friends and family who watched, just what year you were playing in. Um, so, you know, we've never met. I did a bit of background to kind of find out about your story, double major, all that kind of stuff. But no one knows your story better than you. You started at Western in 2014. We're here darn almost 10 years later in 2022. And you're finally, I think, wrapping up. There's a story there, Antonio. The floor is yours. Yeah. <clears throat> well, uh, I mean, where do I start? Shoot. <laughs> you said it yourself. Where do we start? Um, you go back to 2014. Uh, I was just a young kid coming out of high school. Um, I had a lot of hopes for myself. I was very confident. Um, we had a good year in uh, my last year of high school football. We ended up winning the championship. And um, so from that point on, you know, I was really hoping to get a shot at the next level. And it was always uh, that being university. Right. And uh, it was always a dream of mine. And uh, throughout high school, I had a, a lot of people telling me that, you know, I couldn't do it. I wouldn't be able to make it. Um, and, you know, that kind of just fueled me. That was um, the the energy that burned inside me that kind of drove me to, to what I had to do in order to get there. And uh, it actually wasn't looking all too hot for a while. Um, my recruitment stage started with uh, Mac and Guelph. And, uh, you know, they approached me and they said they were interested in me. And uh, to make a long story short, a couple months had gone by and I hadn't heard from them as I'm waiting to see, you know, if I'm going to get a chance somewhere. 
And uh, I actually had to call them myself. And uh, so I called Guelph first and I said, Hey guys, like what's going on? You know, I'm still here waiting for a call from you guys. Like, are you guys going to have me come play for you? And uh, he went on to say that, uh, listen, I'm sorry to tell you this, but uh, we already filled up the position that we wanted you for. And it was actually outside linebacker at the time. I'm sorry, Antonio. I got to jump in real quick because I I didn't mention it in our little preamble there. I don't know if you know, I played at Guelph from 2011 to 2015. So I just I need to pull out as many details of this as particular outside linebacker. So it was they had filled it as in they brought in a recruit in that 2014 year for that. Yeah. So I guess I don't know how many spots each team has. Like just looking at our team, I know there's definitely want like two to three spots at each position that they look to recruit players for. And he told me that they filled it up. So I'm waiting for a call from them. And I called him myself to find out that, oh, my shot's done with them. I'm just, I hang up the phone. I look at my dad and I was just like distraught. I'm like, man, like that's how I'm finding out that Guelph's not interested in me. What the heck? So I'm like, all right, I'm going to call Mac. Like we, I got to find out what's going on. So I called Mac like five minutes after that call and uh, kind of the same thing, you know, they're like, Hey, look, like, uh, yeah, we were interested in you and, uh, you know, we think you're a good player, but you're going to have to enroll in school and try out for the team. I'm like, wait, so that means like I'm not guaranteed to be on the team if I enroll at Mac and pay the tuition and everything. And uh, they're like, no, yeah, you got to you got to make the team. You're going to have to try out. And uh, that wasn't really an option for me, that uncertainty, because uh, my dad owns his own bricklaying company. And um, the plan was if football didn't work out, I would just stay at Brock and get an education there and then work with my dad any time I could. So so that's kind of what my only option was after uh, those two really rough phone calls that I had. And uh, if I get to say now that if anyone, any players listening to this, you know, don't, uh, don't go to Mac or Guelph. They, they suck. <laughs> <laughs> go to Western. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so keep going a couple weeks went by and um i got extremely lucky i got a uh, an email from uh, coach bertoya who was uh, the head scout for or the head recruiter for western at the time and uh, he's like hey look i saw your tape and uh you know we'd love to have you up for a visit and show you around the school and uh, we'll go from there so another week or so went by i went for my visit and uh, it was incredible like just walking through the campus. You, I'm sure you've been to Western, you know, you've seen all the, the buildings, you know, kind of like that rustic look to them. I thought it was so cool and um, had a great visit. And uh, the coaches seemed very interested in me as well. And uh, a week after that, they wanted me to come back and sign the papers to join the team. So I was like, yes, obviously I'll do it. I'll do whatever it takes. Just get me on the team. So I signed, I joined with Western. So and, you go uh, you go from getting two offers turned down to signing with the reigning Yates champs, I guess, right? That's how that's yeah. how life works, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was it was crazy. It was a it was a bumpy couple ro- uh, couple weeks there for sure, but uh, it all worked out in the end. And um, so I went to Western, and you know, throughout that time, I was very like I said, I was a very confident person. I was confident in my abilities as a player, so I thought I was going to play right off the hop, right? And special teams or something. And uh, my dad was always the one trying to like humble me down saying, listen, like it's a different, it's a different game. It's not like high school. Like you're going to, it's going to be a rude awakening. And then the rest of my family was on the other side of it saying, Hey Vince, don't tell him that. Like he's (laughs) going to be able to do it. He'll play. Don't worry. Don't worry. And uh, so I get there and yeah, sure enough, it was an insane wake up call. (laughs) It was like a completely different game in, 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 in whole, right? Like, 
I couldn't believe it. So uh, I ended up uh, finding out that first year that I was going to be redshirting, and uh, it wasn't it wasn't too too much like hurt personally. Um, it was after a week there of practices, I I kind of expected that was coming. So that first year, you know, I kind of got to enjoy my my uh, first year and with my friends and you know go, going out and enjoying you know the 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 Western life. Um, you ever so heard of a place a called year. Richmond Row? Yeah. Oh yeah. Good old Richmond Row, Brofdale, you know it all. <laughs> oh geez. But um, yeah. And then the second year rolled around and I was like, all right, it's, I'm for sure going to be playing this year. Like this is my shot. This is my chance. And uh, unfortunately after the training camp had ended, our running back coach pulled me aside and he said, listen, like, I hate to be the one to tell you this, but we're going to have to redshirt you again for a second year in a row. And I was like, damn, this sucks. Like I'm spending another year here, not being involved in games, like just, just practicing, you know, I felt like just another X on the paper, another O on the page. Right. And, um, you know, it was kind of a tough time there for me, uh, personally. And like I said, I was confident. So that took a huge shot at my confidence as a player. And, um, I'm sure we'll get more into that, you know, what it had on me as a, as a mental aspect, but uh, I just kept pushing through. I, I stuck with it. You know, I kept, uh, kept positive about the whole thing and just did my best to enjoy my experience at Western. And uh, that second year ended up being a really good year. I had a lot of fun and uh, it was a lot of learning. And then uh, the third year rolled around and I'm like, all right, now it's, now this is my chance. I'm going to get a shot. And, and so just uh, real quick. So we're in 2016 now, right? Yeah, would be, yeah. We're in 26 years, slowly working through. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, we're in 2016 and um, I wasn't redshirting this year. So that was a good start. And uh, one of our amazing fullbacks, Dave Mackey, got hurt. He was our second fullback at the time but under uh, Tommy Marshall. So because he got hurt, um, that thrusted me into the lineup. Our second game uh, was on the road against Carlton. And uh, I got to go to an away game and that was the only away game I got to dress that year. And that was the game I actually scored my first touchdown. So uh, that was pretty cool. We were down 14, nothing. And uh, I think I scored the first touchdown to go 14, seven. We actually made it a close game. We ended up losing by two, but uh, that was definitely a cool experience. You know, being able to go on the road for the first time. Go as, ahead. A, as just a f- quick little OUA trivia thing, I believe that held on to be the last Western Mustang loss in OUA football until the 2019 Yates, I believe. Yeah. Okay. And who? And as far <laughs> yeah. as regular season game, I don't. I think that streak, I guess, is it, it went minus, until the Guelph game, I guess, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Minus the uh, the Yates Cup, actually, we lost that year to Laurier. That well, was, right. Yes. Oh, fair enough. So as far as regular season action, then it would yeah. have been okay. Yeah. And in case anyone doesn't. In case anyone's missing the point, Western's really damn good. If you, if you, but if you're yeah. listening to this, you obviously know that. So sorry. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, yeah, and I just kept doing my thing throughout that season. And then sure enough, Dave came back. So um, I kind of got uh, scratched there for the last stretch of the season. So that Yates Cup game, I didn't get to play. And, um, and that was a tough game, you know, even just to watch. We were up, I think, 17 points or something with like three minutes left. We all thought we, we had won and we were going to go to the semis. And uh, Frig, man, Laurier came up with some crazy last-minute heroics and they beat us. And uh, from that moment on, that was, that was a huge learning experience, not just for me, but the whole team in general. And uh, we all kind of made like an agreement with each other saying, uh, all right, we're going to take this. We're going to use it. 
and we're going to train our butts off all off season long every day. And we're going to hold each other accountable every single day. And uh, that's what we did. And it was the perfect formula. And we came into the next season in 2017 and we started rolling teams. Like nobody had a chance against us that year. And, uh, and that was a, an incredible team to be a part of. I was the uh, backup fullback at that point behind Dave Mackey, who's with the BC Lions now. Shout out Dave. Guy's a stud. Um, and I had a, that was a great year for me to, to learn from, uh, from someone like that, you know. Um, he had so much to teach me in his leadership and his work ethic. And I think it's really showing for him right now at the next level. And that's something I, I took from him. And um, going on throughout that year, that was kind of like my first experience with a champ, like a super championship team, right? Like at a very high level. And um, that's kind of where I learned what the camaraderie needed to be like in order to have a championship team. Like we grew a family and this family is going to carry on for the rest of our lives. And, and that was just something that after we had won that Vanier at how special it was, I was like, we all said, you know, the guys coming back, we're like, we have to do this again. Like, this is the formula. We have it in front of us. We know what to do. Let's do it again. So we went in that 2018 off season and we just got after it again. We did everything we had to do to get back to the Vanier. And uh, now I'm the starter. It's 2018. And uh, I thought that was a really good year of football for me. Um, I played really well. I think I rose to the occasion uh, as the starter and um I wasn't, I didn't have that, that leadership role quite yet because it was just first time starting. And we had Cedric Joseph there. It was unbelievable leader. Um, Alex Taylor, Phil Dion, Jean Gab, um, uh, Greg War, like just, just a bunch of guys who were with the 2017 team that knew what it was going to take to do it again in 18. And uh, we went all the way to Laval and got our chance at Laval again for a second time. And uh, I thought, I really think we had the team to win that year. Um, I think we should have, but a couple of it's, that's why you play the game, right? That's why you play the last game because you never know what can happen. Uh, a couple big plays for them early on just kind of got us in a route that we really couldn't find our way out of. And we were playing down the whole game. And that kind of just, just hurt us playing in their barn too. Like you couldn't hear a thing out there. It was crazy. I've never seen that many fans. They were throwing stuff at us on the way into the stadium. Like it was nuts. And, um, and it was awesome to experience, even though we lost. And um, that, that right there was, was the learning point, right? Like we lost. So we had to take that channel that, and we had to look at ourselves in the mirror and say, how are we going to use this? And how are we, how are we going to turn this around so that we can come back again 2019 and do it again? And uh, I thought we had a really good team in 2019. Uh, I thought we had a genuine chance and uh, we made it to the Yates Cup against Mac. And uh, as you know, we lost. Uh, Chris Merchant got hurt early in the game and, uh, you know, that kind of that kind of hurt us a bit. And uh, we just couldn't bounce back from that. And that was that was tough because at this point, I'm kind of like one of the main leaders on the team. And uh, after losing in 18 and then losing in the Yates in 2019, I took a lot of personal responsibility for that. Uh, it was something that kind of clouded over me up until playing this year. And the with the COVID year, it added another year of all that thinking and, you know, self-doubt and uh, disappointment in myself for not, I kind of just felt that I let my team down in a sense. Right. And uh, so I had two years to relish on that. Um, 
2020 came around and uh, COVID hit. And uh, so that was, that was a weird time for, I'm sure, everybody across uh, youth sports. And, um, you know, it's kind of like, what, what's going to happen, right? What, what's the league going to say? Because I'm aging out this year. And if they don't let me play, I'm done. If we don't have a season, I'm potentially done, right? So the summer comes and uh, they come out with the ruling. I'm sure you know, they were saying originally that they weren't going to let the guys that were aging out in 2020 come back in 2021. So right then and there, I was like crushed. I was heartbroken. I, I didn't know what to do. I called my head coach, G Marsh. I'm like, man, like, is this really happening? Like, am I really done? Like, what do I do? How can I like, how can I do something to, to help my case here? Like, what can we do? And he's like, honestly, Antonio, there's nothing you can do right now. Uh, just know that all the coaches in the league don't agree with it. Uh, a lot of people higher up in the coaching positions or didn't agree with it. There was people stepping down because they didn't agree with it. And that's, that's, that's what they should have done because how is it fair to, you know, guys like me, to be able to, to, to have to stop playing football, to have to retire um, because of an uncontrollable pandemic that we haven't seen since what the Spanish flu, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like it, it sucked. And, and um, yeah, that was a, a rough time for a while there. Uh, I didn't really kind of know what my future was going to hold. So I kind of woke up every day, not knowing what the next day would bring. And uh it's, it's weird kind of living through something like that, you know, and you don't really know until you experience it. Cause I'm 20, what was, it? what was I, was that two years ago? I was 24 at the time. And it's like, like I'm, I'm at the point in my life where I have to take the next step or keep doing what I'm doing. So, you know, and like I said, I'm sitting on the fence here, not knowing what's going on. And uh, so some more time goes by and I didn't stop training. I, it actually made me train even harder because <laughs> I was like, I had a good feeling, you know, they're going to change this rule. They're going to let me play and I have to be ready. So uh, the next year rolls around 2021 and um, it was around May. And I don't know if a lot of uh, people know this, but uh, my dad actually contracted COVID in uh, the end of May and it was really, really bad. Uh, a week had gone by and uh to the point where he was like, couldn't, couldn't even walk around the house. And uh, we called the ambulance to come pick him up, to bring him to the hospital. And his oxygen was running at 40%. So I don't know if, if you know this, but when your oxygen's at 80%, you're supposed to be like calling a doctor and alarming people like something's wrong. And he's walking around at 40%. So uh, he goes into the ambulance and uh, the last, that was the last time I saw him for a good, uh, 21 days. Whew, sorry. No, no. <laughs> that was the last time I saw him for a good uh, 21 days. Um, the last sight I had of him was the, the ambulance door was closing in our driveway and we just gave each other a little wave and uh, that was it. He went to the hospital and within five minutes he was put on a ventilator. <clears throat> sorry. And uh, for about 10 days to two weeks, he was, he was on that ventilator and uh, we couldn't go see him. Um, it's like, I don't even know how else to explain it. You know, he's potentially on his deathbed and we're sitting at home, you know, can't go see him wondering what's going to happen, you know, fear, the anxiety, it was crazy. So, uh, in that time, I kind of had to take over his, his role in the company. And, you know, I kind of, uh, spearheaded all that and 
took control and kind of make sure thing made sure things were running smoothly and uh, not knowing if he was going to make it out or not. And uh, so then the doctors, you know, they said he's doing well, we're going to take him off the ventilator. So some great news, unbelievable news, right? They take him off the ventilator, a day goes by, and I come home after a workout. And my mom's like, Antonio, sit down. And I said, Okay, so I sit down, and she goes, Listen, they put your dad back on the ventilator, his lungs weren't strong enough to support himself. And uh, when she told me that I looked around like, is that bad? Like, I didn't even know what to say. Like, I was so shocked and, and like devastated. And she's like, yeah, that's not, not good at all that they had to put him back on. So we had to deal with that for another few days, but thank the Lord. Thank God. Um, God is good. He, uh, my dad made it out. He was okay. He came off the ventilator and uh, you know, we, the only way we could go see him was uh, through his window in the hospital outside in the parking lot. And he would stand up to wave and like his arms looked like my pinkies and like it he was he oh, bone wow. rack, just a bone rack. And this guy was like, goes in at 235 pounds, benching 315 for five, like, like butter. Right. My dad's a beast. And then to see him like, like that was crushing. So through that, actually, I gave uh, coach Marshall a call and uh, I kind of told him what was going on because, you know, he's my, he's like a father away from home for me. And uh, I told him what's going on and, you know, I'm crying on the phone. I'm just like, coach, like, you just got to get me on the field. You just got to get me one play. All I want is one play to just, to just have him, have my dad there in the stands watching me just one more time. I'll do whatever it takes. Like, please have me back. I'll do whatever it takes. And he's like, don't worry, don't worry. It'll all be okay. And, uh, like I said, my dad made it out and things were kind of on the upswing. And sure enough, um, U Sports decided to change the ruling. So it was another uh, positive outlook on uh, on my life there for uh, in the summer. And I was just like ecstatic. My dad's getting healthier and I'm going to be playing football in September. So on, throughout, go ahead. No, I'm just going to on the on the ruling getting changed, how many beers have you and, uh, you know, others on the Western Mustangs bought for Garrett Holmes? Sorry, say that again. <laughs> oh, how many, how many beers have you guys bought for Garrett Holmes? Cause he obviously played a big part in, in, in the reversing of the rule. Yeah. Hey, listen, I love, I love Garrett. Um, that guy's a solid dude, man. He's been a great teammate throughout my whole ride here. And, uh, you know, all the work that he put in, um, to fight for that rule change, you know, now that I got the chance right here, I'll uh, definitely thank you, uh, Garrett. Um, can't thank you enough, man. We, I think I speak for everybody who was going to age out and uh, was lucky enough to get that rule change. I speak for everyone, man. Thank you so much. Uh, I know he put in a lot of hard work to, to get that change. And I know he's going to work right now for uh, the current issue of youth sports athletes not being considered elite, which I think is a complete joke. Um, but I know he's working hard for uh, the youth sports athletes and, you know, big hats off to him for putting in his free time for, for, for us, for, for us players. And, uh, you know, that speaks loud, like that speaks volumes on his character as a person. So can't think, thank Garrett enough. And then, um, <clears throat> but yeah, keep to keep on going with the story. So we rolled into 2021 and, uh, I show up to training camp and I'm like, damn, like these guys are either going to treat me like I'm a hundred years old or, or they're going to take me in and treat me like one of their own. And, uh, I didn't have any doubts that they would do that. They, they, they took me in as, 
as a leader of the team. And, you know, they were, they looked at me as the guy to, to guide them, you know, to, to lead this team to where it needed to go because I've been there and I've seen it all. Right. So they trusted me they put their trust into me to, to help guide them to, to victory. And, um, right from the from the jump you know right off the very start of the season my main goal was to bring what we so like I said we we learned what it was like to win in 2017 right and you think you have it every year after that but it's in it's I can't even explain how hard it is to replicate something like that and you don't really realize that you don't have it until you're past that time you're you're down the road you've lost and you get to look back and you say okay, this is what was wrong with that, you know, and you don't really realize it in the time. That's kind of the hardest part is to realize what's going wrong in the moment and then changing it so that you can get back on track and be successful the next week. And um, so, like I said, that was my goal going into this year was I had to replicate 2017. And what, what, what did we have in 2017 that needed to be there this year? It was family. We made every single person dress player to non-dress player feel like they were a part of it and rightfully so because you can't run practices without your scout team and you can't get uh, a look of what the defense is going to be running against you on Saturday if the scout team isn't showing up to practice working their butts off at in some points watching film of the other team's defense so that they can run it just like they do right like that's how that's the extent that we would go to in order to prepare each and each and every one of us. And uh, so that's just something we had to continue to do all season long. And uh, the difference I think was, is that every single person bought into it. They were like, okay, we, we trust you. We believe in you. And, and if you're telling us that this is what needs to be done, then we're going to do it. And we did it. And I think if you go back and ask every single one of the guys on this 21, 2021 team, they'll tell you that the best part of it was the memories and the camaraderie that we had because 2017 was great and special. And that's where we learned all this from, but this 2021 team, I've never seen a group of guys come together like we did this year to accomplish one common goal. I've never seen it. And I've played a lot of sports. I played a, like, I played soccer, hockey, uh, basketball. I played football and, and None, none of those teams equate to what we had in 2021. And, you know, I guess to kind of to wrap up the story, if you're kind of wondering what it takes, you know, for a team to win a championship, I think the biggest part is family and making sure that everyone understands that they have a role, whether it's, whether it's, you know, starting quarterback or whether it's, you know, fourth string DB and you're giving a look to the offense, Right everyone understood that they had an important role and they, they took on their role and they showed up every practice and every game, you know, and executed what they had to do. And that, that right there was, uh, was the winning formula along with obviously preparing, you know, I don't think there's another team in the league that prepares like us. Um, uh, our work ethic, right. Just it's, it's, uh, that all comes with it, but I think the big thing is definitely family and, uh, yeah, this, this 2021 team is, is a family I'm going to be telling my grandkids about one day. So well, that's kind of my story. And, uh, I, I hope that wasn't uh, too much, but, but no, uh, I, Antonio, it's, it's an incredible story. Um, yeah. and thank you for sharing every part of that. I really appreciate it. And I think the, the piece on family really is a great 
message of really what it takes, especially in a game like football, when you have just so many guys and and that that camaraderie just is the difference between winning and losing. Um, it is. So let's go back through the sort of the, the sort of full picture again, because mm-hmm. you know I. As I kind of mentioned, spent some time at Guelph. Was uh, happened to be on the uh, the winning side of of one of those uh, Yates Cup losses you guys yeah, picked you up were. on. But but I don't say that just to just to throw it in your face because that is partly okay. why I'm saying it. But also just because that was in my final year and the accumulation of four and a half years of school, five years playing football. Similar story to yourself. A lot of years on scout team and trying to work up to getting a starting position and all that. That when I got to the end of. Um, my four and a half years, my fifth year winning the Yates Cup, we lose in, in the Mitchell. I was, and this is just me personally, but I was done. Like I did not want anything to do with football for like, you know, I needed, I needed like almost a full year of just, I want, it was just, it's so encompassing. And you obviously know as well as anyone how intense it is from, you know, the moment one championship ends to when you're, you know, hoping to be in that championship the next year, like there's no stop. There's no off season. It's work, work, work. So, you know, we, you go f- Six Yates Cup appearances, three for three in those. Go two, two Mitchell Bulls, one UTEC, three Vanier appearances with two victories. Is there a certain point in in that story with all those deep playoff runs, you being a student athlete and all the pressure that comes with that? What, like, were there points in 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 your incredible story where it, it felt like it got? to be too much like how, how did you deal with just the amount of stress and I have to imagine when you go to a program like Western you know the expectation isn't winning seasons the expectation isn't making the playoffs the expectation is winning championships that must come with a major amount of pressure could you speak on how you and your teammates dealt with that over the years right yeah um I guess the kind of the point where it became too much was I would say like 2019 because we lost to Mac. Um, I mean, 2018, I didn't really feel that because we had gotten to the Vanier and we were so damn close to winning that game. It was like, okay, like we can do this again in 2019. Like I'm hungry for 2019. Like we're going back. And then when we got stumped in the, in the eights, I was kind of like, damn, this sucks. Like we just put in so much work and effort and to come up short against a team that we probably should have beat if everything, <laughs> if everything would have went our way, but that, you know, Hey, that's part of the game. But um, yeah, it was kind of like, shoot, like this sucks. And I was on the back end of my schooling. So it was really hard for me to, to get up every day and go to class knowing that I'm not going to be playing until 2020 and that even that was still unsure even though that the rule is still solid at that time it was still like uncertainty you never know what can happen right so you know getting up every day and having to finish off my 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 diploma my degree that was hard like especially in the second semester because I graduated in 2020 of April like doing that semester was a challenge it's it's like you're training, you don't really know what you're training for. And then you, you got to go to class because you have to graduate. That's why I'm there in the first place. Right. Um, you know, and you kind of just want to sleep in, you don't want to go, you don't want to put in the effort, but, uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I guess I just told myself that it needs to be done. Um, it's kind of the way I tackle everything in my life. It's like, while it's standing there in your way, 
you can either tiptoe around it and, you know, be less of a person for it, or you can go right through it, be successful or fail and become a better person for it, regardless if you're successful or you fail. Right. Um, because, you know, I think that's where the true lessons in life come from. You can't be afraid of challenges because <clears throat> big challenges like that, um, kind of defines who you are as a person and it shapes you into the person who you're going to become and hopefully one day pass on to your children. So that's kind of how I tackle all my obstacles in life is, uh, you can't be afraid, you know? And, um, so I just kind of fought through it. I kept going, I kept pushing through and, uh, I got my, my diploma. So <laughs> well, and six and a half years later, <laughs> well, certainly you wouldn't have made it through eight years of playing fullback longer than eight years. If your mentality wasn't, well, if there's something yeah. in front of me, I got to go right through it. Yeah. <laughs> and to the last thing I just want to ask about, you know, you're once again, such an incredible story from, you know, thinking you might not land a spot, you're going to go to Brock and, and then getting to Western knots, all that. And mm-hmm. that, um, Come, so you mentioned graduating in April of 2020, and right before seemingly everything got shut down, you did get to go to one of the combines, and unfortunately mm. didn't end up getting drafted. Forgot to mention that in the story. Yeah, I did go to the uh, regional combine. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, that's okay. But the, like, the, then let's just touch on that one just as a, a last point of just once again, just all these ups and downs in your story and throw in another one right there where you're getting this incredible shot, just chance of a lifetime doesn't work out as you may have thought. But then, and, and in the midst of dealing with everything that, you know, whether between your father's health, not knowing what you're going to play. Um, but yeah, mostly that with the draft and everything, what was that like for you? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely forgot to touch on that. Thanks for bringing that up. Um, that was definitely a huge part um, in, in uh, that year because so I graduated and I prepared for the combine in that March. And uh, I'd like to take the time, I guess, to thank uh, Miguel, um, my trainer. He he put in so much effort to to help me, Baleska, and um, and uh, Femi Cole. You know, to, he put in tons of effort to get us to where we needed to be. And I thought we were all very well prepared. Uh, unfortunately for them, they were in the national combine and I was in the regional. So I got to go to the regional combine and that's actually the last combine that's been held by the CFL since COVID, right? Like full on combine, I'm pretty sure. Um, so that was a, that was a really cool experience, you know, being there with, with all the scouts and like, you're going to do your bench and they're all just sitting in the stands, like watching you. And it's like, Oh geez, like I'm, I'm trying to like, I'm fighting for a job right now. Like this is like a job interview, you know, and it's, it's almost like it's, it's not really, it's still football, but you know what I mean? It adds a different uh, element to it, I guess you could say. So uh, yeah, that was, that was super cool. And I thought uh, I did a really good job. My 40 was kind of slow, but I had, uh, I was good enough for top five in all the groups. I finished fifth in the L drill, which I was really proud about. And uh, I thought I did really well in, in the, the team drills, like one-on-ones and stuff. Um, in the past game, I, I don't know if there's film, but I feel like not one guy could cover me. Uh, that's we'll get, our, I, we'll I, get I, IT to dig up that film. We'll, yeah, we'll find yeah. it for you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just felt that I had a really, really good combine. And um, I thought that was probably like as good as I could have done, you know, uh, preparing for the draft. And I thought I had a legit shot. So, you know, the draft 
comes around. I've spoken to Hamilton over uh, Zoom, you know, uh, they just want, I guess, kind of learn about me and, you know, kind of see me on a personal level. And I thought that went really well too. So I was kind of excited, you know, like Hamilton's talked to me, you know, I'm, I got a decent chance here. And, uh, and then the draft rolls around and man, every name that goes by is just another little stab in the, in the stomach, you know, and finally you get to the last round and there's like five names left and I'm looking at my parents and I'm like, guys, I don't know, like this isn't looking good. And uh, sure enough, I didn't get drafted. I was, uh, I was pretty devastated that, that night. I was uh, crying to my parents. I'm like, guys, like I worked so hard. Like, you know, I gave everything I had. What do I do? Like, how do I, how do I keep going from here? And uh, you know, they just, you know, trust what you know, and that's working hard, um, trust in yourself, believe in yourself and, you know, anything that you've put your mind to before you've done. So just keep going, keep doing it, keep, keep pushing through. And uh, so I have, and, you know, I guess kind of to go back into that story that happened right before my dad got sick. So, oh no, no, sorry. That was a year before a year before, but then, uh, then the rule changed though that summer. So it was kind of just like a big snowball of like junk, just getting thrown at me. Right. Didn't get drafted. Thought I would have, uh, they changed the rule as of right now. I'm not playing. My dad gets sick. And then after he came out, it was kind of just like, that was rock bottom and, uh, kind of that, that, that just kind of started the upswing, but, um, yeah, that, uh, I'm really happy that I got an opportunity at the combine. Uh, that's a memory I'll have forever and definitely a really cool experience. And, uh, it's something that I hope that players this year get to experience themselves. Um, cause I know it's, it's not fun taking your own video by yourself on a field, like, and sending it in, like, it's fun going there and competing against people and seeing the people you're going up against. Right. And it's like, shoot, man, like I'm better than that guy. Let's go. Let's get after him. All right. Let's go. I got him. Here we go. Right. Whereas if you're on your own, it's kind of like, you know, you're just, you're just there, you know, you're beating, you're trying to beat yourself. So um, I really hope that they can figure something out for the young guys, you know, trying for the combine this year. But uh, yeah, that's kind of how it was for me. And uh, I wouldn't change any of it for the world because, hey, if I would have gotten drafted, who knows, I might have been somewhere else and I wouldn't have been able to experience this 2021 team in the year we had. And I wouldn't trade any of that for anything in the world. So I think I'm, I'm a firm believer in the world works itself out for the best. And uh, even though sometimes you don't think it is at the time, I think uh, I think it all works out in the end. You just got to believe and keep working hard. And it must have been kind of bittersweet when the last pick of the draft went, and though it wasn't your name, it was your teammate Blesco exactly. going. Right? I was just, so. looked, I, was just <laughs> I wasn't all too upset about the last name. It was every other name before. <laughs> no, no, understandable. Antonio, once again, yeah, it's an incredible story. Um, thank thank you, you so much for coming on and sharing it with uh, with me and everyone listening. And uh, I can't wait to see what the next stage of your life uh, has in store for you, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, no, that was awesome. Huge honor for you guys to have me. And uh, yeah, hopefully the next stage is uh, the CFL. That's uh, my top priority right now. And I'm training my butt off to uh, to be ready for, for that opportunity. So as soon as I get a call, that's where I'm headed. 
Well, we can't wait to see you at the next level then. All right, Antonio, take care, man. If I do, I'll get you a couple tickets. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cheers, man. Hey, thank you so much. See you, Zach.